Okay, hey everyone. I hope all is well. So today I thought I'd talk a little about Nietzsche's three metamorphoses of the spirit, something he describes in his great work, Thus Spoke Zarathustra. Essentially, the metamorphoses describe the process of spiritual transformation that characterizes his vision of the best human life. And um, just so it's clear from the start, the three phases he talks about are symbolically represented by the camel, the lion, and the child. Okay, here we go then. Okay, well, so let's start with the camel. So what's the difference between the camel and most herd animals? Well, it's this. The camel is a carrier. He's a beast of burden. He wants to be well-loaded. Accordingly, for Nietzsche, the camel represents the person with a strong spirit, who is willing to serve a higher quest, and who voluntarily takes on weight and who isn't intimidated by discomfort. The camel humbly surrenders their will to some higher cause. As Nietzsche himself says, the camel is reverent and it renounces. Now, all of this is important for those interested in starting out on that spiritual journey for self-actualization. I mean, you leave the comfortable life and you become a servant to something higher than yourself, right? Yet, according to Nietzsche, ultimately there's something problematic or insufficient with both the character and the way of the camel. It's this. Despite his courage and his strength, the camel out of a sense of duty, bows down too much and accepts the weights placed upon him. He's too deferent to tradition and to morality. He takes on too much of the weight of the codes of behavior that have come before him. In this way, he's still a follower, and so lives according to values and paradigms that are not at all his own. In this sense, the camel is not really free. Which is really to say that he's both unable to destroy and unable to create. Okay, well, so in order for the camel to unburden himself and to begin to create his own meaning and his own destiny, he must undergo a new transformation. He must undergo the spiritual metamorphosis into a lion. Now, unlike the camel, who holds things in and preserves, the lion is symbolic of destruction. That's to say, the lion is a destroyer of traditional and transcendent values. He destroys old values in an effort to escape their grasp over him. Ultimately, he refuses to bow down to anyone, to idols, and to masters, and, well, to dragons. Now, I say dragons because Nietzsche symbolizes transcendent and traditional values as a great dragon. And it's this great dragon with its shining scales of values that the lion has to destroy. Nietzsche calls the dragon by the name of Thou Shalt, which again is meant to refer to all the old moral laws, those centuries of old codes that have told us how we should act. Again, the lion wants to fight back against this great dragon, 
whose each scale glitters a different thou shalt. And that's because the lion sees the dragon as the great barrier to true freedom. So instead of succumbing to the thou shalt, what does the lion do? While the lion says, I will. In other words, he asserts his own will over the dragon and tries to win his independence. But here's the thing. It turns out that pretty much the only way for the lion to do this is to create some space between him and the dragon, to be free from him. Notice then that ultimately his is a negative freedom, not a positive one. That's to say, the lion succeeds in saying no to subjugation, but not yes to new creation. He's liberated himself from external values, but he's got nothing to put in its place. The lion, then, is ultimately mostly reactive. That's to say, he exerts his power only against what already exists. He defines himself in opposition to what he's escaped. He destroys without creating. He says no without it being followed up with a new yes. He just doesn't know how to create his own new meaning from the emptiness that now surrounds him. He doesn't know what to do with his newly forged independence and freedom. But nevertheless, the lion has accomplished something very valuable. He's destroyed the old in order to make way for something new. And so, now enter the third and final metamorphosis, the child. So, as we've seen, there was a nihilism that the lion left in his destructive wake. But in his freedom through negation, he cleared the way. And what he cleared the way for is the child and her new creations. Now, you might be wondering, why a child? After all, a child seems like a, like a strange character to end the developmental sequence beginning with the camel. Well, for Nietzsche, the archetypal child actually just can't be more appropriate. And that's because the child is, well, she's spring. She's a new beginning. She's a self-propelling wheel. The child, says Nietzsche, is a sacred yes. You see, while the lion was concerned with destruction, the child, well, she's in love with, with play and with spontaneous creation, especially the creation of new values. And that's because the child is completely free from the past. And being free from the past, she's not weighed down by rules and by, by life-stultifying values, by traditional morality, by the ossification of the thou shalt's. As such, the child is, well, she's beyond good and evil. She simply lacks the knowledge of morality. So because of this, she's able to create as she sees fit, regardless of the views of society. She's free to truly play and create like a true artist. She discovers the world for the first time, all the time, unburdened by what came before her. Now, this idea of being completely unburdened is really, really important. You see, according to Nietzsche, what makes the child so important is that she's pure innocence and pure forgetting. 
And it's really the the forgetting that's the key. Because the child's natural state is one of forgetfulness, she's always entirely free from feelings of revenge, free from holding grudges. Now, here's the thing. This is not the normal state of most people. No, according to Nietzsche, most of us are always reacting to our past in some way, and so we're marked by revenge and bitterness and resentment. And there's nothing, nothing more debilitating, more pathological, nothing more life-stultifying than this, Nietzsche thinks. Well, by contrast, the child has none of this. There is no sickness in her, no reactive battle against external forces that the previous metamorphoses had to endure. No, the child exists without the gloom and the gravity that marked the camel and, to some extent, the lion. Her freedom, her lightness, her complete lack of reactivity, all of this is why only she can give birth to new values. To become a child, well, that's to overcome nihilism.